Welcome to the Get Down with Hurley Brown. This is a weekly series that showcases the world of sports with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. From the recruiters and players to the teams and coaches, we've got it all covered. Now, here's your host, Coach Hurley Brown. Family, family, here we go again. Coming to you live is to get down with Hurley Brown, Hurley Brown himself, coming to you, having fun, live from Merritt Island, Florida. Hey, Kelvin, my co-host, Kelvin Harris, my room dog, my ace. Kelvin, it's been a week since we've been able to talk to the family, and um, I must say, it's been a rough week, you know, um, in the aftermath of Hurricane Irma, it's been tough. It's been extremely hard. And, you know, you, you sit back and you, you know, you you sit, you, you want to think that you're a tough guy and, you know, you can handle everything. And, man, I tell you, I have never been that scared in my life. I sat here and we went through this hurricane and I called myself. I was going to ride it out. Kevin, that was the biggest mistake I've ever made. I will never do that again. How did your family come out with the hurricane? Hello. Yes, Kelvin. Yes. Yeah, we were just talking about Hurricane Irma. Hey, Kelvin. Yes. I was just talking about Hurricane Irma, and I was asking how did your family fare with this hurricane? I'd like to get our power back. Huh? I said I would like our power back. We still don't have any lights. You still don't have power? Oh, not. Oh, man. I tell you what. Well, you can come up here and stay with me for a couple of days. Only a couple of days. It'll be just like the good old oh, days. I'll... Yeah, and I'm assuming the reason that you're sounding so muffled is because you don't have power down there in Fort Myers, Florida. So we're going to keep on going. We had a little technical difficulty with old Kelvin Harris here, but we're going to continue to talk to your family and bring you my thoughts about this hurricane and how much I can really appreciate all of the young men and women out there that are dedicating their time to help restore power and, you know, help restore our, our, our state, you know, the southeastern part of the country. Everybody in the state of Florida was impacted by Hurricane Irma. And for those of you who don't have power, God bless you, please be patient. It, 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 we're in the process of, of rebuilding. You know, I, I saw a picture of Jimmy Johnson his house down there in the Keys, they took it hard, you know, and I've never seen Jimmy look so distraught in my life. But Jimmy, hey, we love you. We appreciate everything you've done for the world of sports. You're on your quest to the Hall of Fame, but this is just a minor setback. Coach, you've always taught us to persevere. You taught us to be strong. You taught us that we could do any and everything that we ever thought we would want to do if we worked our butts off at it. So I know this is just a minor setback for you. You will rebuild, and when you rebuild, it's going to be way better than what you had at the beginning. So you know, my heart goes out to everyone down there in the Keys. You know, it's, it's, it's a tough time. But as we talked about on the last show, this is God's way of opening our eyes. So I hope we take heed. I hope we understand that we're all in this together. The thing that I do like about it, the only thing that I like about it, it brings us together as a people. The only silver lining in this cloud, in this dark cloud, is it brings us together as a people. You see all walks of people out there helping each other. And that's what I appreciate more than anything. Okay, now to the world of sports. Boy, it's been an interesting weekend, an interesting week. You know, the game that we all were, were trying to wait for and, and, and were excited about happening didn't get a chance to happen. Hurricane Irma took care of that. The University of Miami versus Florida State game did not take place. So I don't know who does that benefit most. Does it benefit the University of Miami? Does it benefit the Florida State Seminoles? You got Blackman, who's a true freshman, coming out straight out of Muck City. He's a rabbit chaser. He's been given the nod as the number one quarterback at Florida State. He hasn't played a game yet, but he's getting ready to. Hey, he's a starting quarterback for one of the best college football programs in the country. So, does it benefit Miami to have not played that game, knowing that he's 
unseasoned? He's untested? Or does it benefit Florida State to give him a chance to really learn the offense and get a couple of games on this belt? Because they're going to play that game October 7th. So it's going to be a great game to see. But it's been canceled, so we can't talk about it. We had Coach Snellenberg on the show last week. And we were hoping to have a pregame interview with Coach Snellenberger. But the interview that we did have with Coach Snellenberger really shed some light on a bunch of things. Uh, One of the things, and everybody keeps talking about, is how he didn't like the fact that Jimmy Johnson allowed the University of Miami Hurricane players to dance. Oh, man. It rubbed him the wrong way. But I tell you what, I played for Coach Johnson. And I wouldn't have had it any other way. One of the greatest coaches I've ever known. One of the absolute greatest coaches. Not only did he coach us at the University of Miami and he had a lot of success, he went on to coach the Dallas Cowboys. And arguably, he built one of the, the greatest NFL programs or rebuilt one of the greatest NFL programs in the country, in the NFL. So. Again, Howard, I appreciate you coming on the show. Now, he agreed to come back the week that Florida State plays Miami. So we're going to hold you to that, Coach Nellenberg. We'd love to talk to you again. Had a great time talking with you. All right, but now, hey, the U.S. Open, for those of you who didn't watch it, there's a new sheriff in town, Sloan Stevens, straight out of Plantation, Florida, down there in Fort Lauderdale, Miami. Fort Lauderdale, Miami area, South Florida, from Plantation. Sloan Stevens, congratulations. But my prediction is this. Serena Williams just had a baby. She comes back in two years, and she regains her throne. She's going to come back and take a vengeance on what you did to her sister Venus. So Sloan, the queen of tennis is on her quest to come back and take her crown back. But until then, you enjoy it. I love watching you play. I even love the interview that you get at the end. That $3.7 million check looked real good, didn't it? But hey, congratulations, well-deserved, and we're looking forward to watching you play again. And on that note, we also got to give a nod to Rafael Nadal, who won the men's U.S. championship. But Rafael has been he's been doing it for a long time. It's nothing new to him. He's going to do a great job representing the men. And again, Rafael Nadal, Sloan Stevens, congratulations on winning the U.S. Open. Now, there's a, a... There's been a baseball team that's done extremely well. And it's got one of our current players from Merritt Island High School on it. They just won, and I gotta I I gotta say this, and I gotta give credit where credit is due, but I also want to recognize Team USA for winning the world championship. Team USA, this particular team has been called the dream team. From what I've been told, this is they had the best record and the most success of any Team USA baseball team in the history of the game. So Mason Denneberg, man, congratulations. Can't wait for you to get back to Merritt Island. We actually can't wait for you to get back out there on the football field with us because we desperately need you. But anyway, you did a great job. You represented us well. You represented the Merritt Island High School Mustangs extremely well. And, man, we can't, we can't be more proud of you. So, again, we're probably going to get Mason on the show next week so he can talk about his journey and how they went out and beat Japan and all these other teams across the, the world, actually. And it's to, to me, you know, in order for a young man to be able to take that opportunity and you know, be given that platform to go out and showcase his ability and his talent. That, that speaks volumes to our young people. And it gives us something to allow our kids to look forward to. Because Mason, you know, I text him every other day and he respond and he tell me, oh, coach, we're in Japan, we're in London, we're in all these different places. And for an 18, 17, 18 year old kid to have that experience, it's amazing. But again, it's his talent 
his work ethic, his ability that got him those opportunities. All right. Now, I got a, a text the other day, of actually a tweet from one of my current players, and he was telling me that Louisville was going to beat Clemson. I don't know what is wrong with this kid. Something must have been seriously wrong with that guy. But he honestly, he honestly <laughs> believed that uh, Kevin, are you there, Kevin? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Can, 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 can you honestly believe that that kid thought Louisville had a chance with Clemson? Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe you thought the same thing. You you quiet over there, boss. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. Clemson's D line is uh, got some grown men, and I just, oh, yeah. I just think Lamar Jackson is a great athlete, but if you keep him in the pocket, he's only an okay quarterback. Exactly. And exactly. The problem he had is his receivers left their hands in the locker room. <laughs> oh, you saw that, right? Hey, but look, I tell you what, we got to hold that thought, Kevin. We got to go pay some bills. Okay. We'll take a, a, a couple of minutes. Okay. We're going to take a break for a couple of minutes. Then we'll be right back with the get down with Hurley Brown, my main man, Kelvin Harris. We'll be back in just a second. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We're talking Western Ambush this week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, taking a closer look at all the amazing big game hunting opportunities found in the Western states. Joining us is Jason Matzinger, host of Into High Country, Jill Gector from Cinch Jeans, Dean Capuano of Sawarski Optic Quest, and Freddie Hartice of Hollywood Hunter. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Okay, family, we're back. Talking about Clemson, Louisville. I wasn't going to do this to my young buddy, but I got to tell you. Devin Peterson... It's one of my wide receivers, arguably one of the best players in the county. But Devin sent me a tweet the other night telling me that Lamar Jackson was going to beat Clemson. Kelly, come on now. Really? Yes. I mean, I, I don't see how anybody could, could believe that. Again, we're talking about Clemson. Not only are we talking uh, about Clemson, but I just sat there and watched one of Clemson's. We're talking about Clemson's defensive line as arguably one of the greatest defensive lines in college football. You know, and I'm, you know, they're a little bit more mature than Miami's guys. Miami's guys are a little bit younger, but man, we just watched one of their one of their their former players dominate the league last year. Dominate the National yeah. Football League. Yeah, Big Beasley, you mean? Big Beasley. And they they they're breeding the defensive line over there right now. So for this junk, and I I can't blame him. He ain't no, he don't know no better. He's 16, 17 years old. Well, he got excited with the Lamar Jackson hype. Yeah, that's right. That's kind of what I thought. But look, they they made Lamar look like he was just a, a another good player the other night. Well, Lamar's biggest problem is 
just like you've seen with Cam Newton with the Carolina Panthers and some other young quarterbacks who are mobile, is that in order to be a top-flight quarterback, you got to be able to throw from the pocket. And i got to be honest, he's getting better, but he's still got a long way to go. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's the same old tale. You give those guys a year to study a player, and they'll find ways to beat you. And that's what Clemson well, did. Well, the thing about it is, uh, one, of, one of our good friends, Warren Sapp, always says that high-level defense, whether it be high-level college football or pro NFL pro football uh, defenses, are the fastest changing amoebas out. So if you give a top-flight defensive coordinator an off-season to dissect the talent like Lamar Jackson, when they play again that next year, it's going to be a totally different ball game. I'll give you a case in point. Mississippi State played LSU this weekend and took yes. it to LSU. Well, Todd Griffin had seen that offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, at Pittsburgh and North Carolina State. So when he came to LSU with all those movements and changes and motions, his kids were already ready for it because he'd seen it and he knew how to dissect it. And basically... If you're Clemson and you watch the LSU film from the bowl game, you know exactly what to do to stop Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and, and that's funny because when they lost, they, they, not only did Louisville lose Todd Grantham, they lost the defensive backs coach, Clint Scale. He went to University of Kentucky. They lost one of our um, great receivers, Lamar Thomas. He was coaching the wide receivers at lost, Louisville. Uh, Terrell uh, Buckley. They lost Terrell Buckley. So the, the Louisville team as of old is not the same team. And that was one of the reasons I was trying to explain to, to, to Mr. Peterson that the game's not going to be that close. Man, there's a lot of boys. There's a lot of holes in that Louisville program right now that haven't been filled well, yet. I'm going to take this step further. Um, Bobby Petrino's personality is going to crash and burn the Louisville program. He did a good job the first time he was there. And I don't know, there's a personality change. I mean, his personality was always erratic. And I remember when Lamar took the job, I asked him if, if he sure he knew what he was doing. And he said, no, I can work with this guy. But it's come evident that a lot of assistant coaches can't work with him. And he's not a great recruiter. Charlie Strong was a great recruiter. He had Clint Hurd, and he, he himself had a great personality. And Louisville made sense. But... Bobby Petrino is running away a lot of good young coaches, and the people that he has around him aren't good enough to get it done. And eventually, I think in the next year or so, maybe starting this year, you're going to see a decline in the Louisville program. Well, I think we've already seen it. I think we saw it this past weekend. Because that did not look like the old, that, that did not look like Louisville of 2016. It didn't. But, well, but Lamar Jackson looked out of sync. He didn't look, I mean, he didn't look like himself. Matter of fact, let me give you this, Kelvin. He was 21 of 42. He completed 50% of his passes. And a lot of those were dropped balls, man. Yeah, no, no, no. These receivers, they, uh, they left their hands in the locker room. But yeah. I think the one thing that's being lost in the Louisville program is no one's really giving Charlie Strong the credit he deserves. I mean, he had... If Charlie Strong don't leave Louisville, they're Clemson. I don't know if they're quite Clemson. No, no, they they will be they will be Clemson because you got to think about something. He had a pipeline in the South Florida, and he had enough recruiting talent at the coaching position to understand how to recruit South Florida, and they were developing players. And I'll tell you something. I mean, I'm not a three-four guy, but it's really right work. But yeah, but you know, again, in my opinion, you know, I think we'll 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 learn more about Charlie. You know, I'm a Charlie fan as much as anybody. I loved Charlie when he was at the University of Florida. When he went to Louisville, I had an opportunity to recruit against him when I was coaching at the University of Miami, and then I got a chance to watch him at the University of Texas which I didn't think it was a good fit for Charlie. But now he's back at home at the University of South Florida. So I'm as, I'm as big as a fan 
But I think there's one there's one underlying factor in this whole process now. When you start talking about Clemson football, a lot of people are not given credit where credit is due. There's a there's a young man over there named Woody. Woody, Woody played for Bear Bryant. He coached at the University of Alabama. He coached with um what was the, the, the coach, the black coach at, at the University of Alabama at one time? No, I'm sorry. Talking about Woody McCorvey? Woody McCorvey, yes. Yeah. Woody McCorvey. So when you're talking about talent, when you're talking about recruiting, Woody has behind the scenes has helped build one of the best programs in college football to date. With I, I, I mean, everybody gives Dabo Sweeney the, the you know, they, they give him the credit. But at the end of the day, when a young man goes to Clemson University and he gets a chance and when he takes an official or unofficial visit, he's got his mother and father with him. And sometimes it's a single mother or, or, you know, just a dad. And you get a chance to sit down with a guy who's been around football for the last 50 years. He's been around a lot of success. He's been around some of the greatest college football programs to date. You want your son to go play for a guy like that. You know that he's going to be taught how to be a man. He's going to be taught how to be a great football player and a student. And a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't understand how that recruiting thing works. If I'm a parent. I I, I agree. And so that's why, I mean, again, trust me, I hate Charlie Strong was going to do an amazing job at the University of South Florida. But Charlie doesn't have a Woody McCorvey over there. And until they get a guy like, because Charlie's the guy. Charlie's that guy. Yeah. You know, you want your son to play for a guy like Charlie. But you also understand that Charlie's the head coach and Charlie's got to make head coach decisions. Woody doesn't have to make those head coach's decisions. Woody's just kind of sitting back, watching and teaching. That's true. That's true. And I think when he was there, I think Clint, Clint kind of, you know, I don't know. Clint was, Clint was Woody McCarvey. Clint was that guy. But I'll tell you, I think that's what I'm saying. That the one thing that was similar in both situations is, is that Charlie Strong built that team around the D-line. And what happened when um, Petrino came into Louisville is, he built the team around his offense, and then right. he goes to he changed out the defense. All right, I, I, I know you know without getting into the deep X's and O's of it, you know a lot. Of, you know it's it's, it's a 50-50 uh, proposition. Some people like the three-four, some people like the four-three. But if I was starting a program and it was in the South, I would have to go with a four-three because you don't. Florida is proven you don't need an offense to be good because there's enough. Big, fast, strong kids that play defensive line. That honestly, one of our good friends, Warren Sapp, is the reason they want to play defensive tackle in a four-three because they can get sacks and make money. When you put a kid, a three hundred pound kid that runs a four-eight, four-seven, and put him in a three-four defense, he's basically an offensive lineman because all he's doing is holding up blocks. And these young kids don't want to do that. And we. You know, we've seen it. What happens when you make that transition? LSU is going to have the same problem. They are basically opening the door for Auburn and maybe even Arkansas, uh, and they're going to make make Alabama stronger because now those defensive linemen who love LSU and love Coach Ogeron, they're going to go somewhere where they can play that system. And that's... I think it's one of the biggest problems in Louisville is that, you know, you look at the top programs now, you need them studs up front on that front line because now you can, you as a team, you know this, if you can rush four and, and cover with seven, it makes your defense so much tougher. Okay, so, all right. But Clemson will be back in the playoffs this year. So, Devin, if you're out there, if you're listening, and you, you, hear, you hear it from an old man, now, you know what I mean? I, I know you think you know football, but you hear it from an old man. There was no way 
Louisville was going to be able to play with Clemson. Not that night. Not that night. Now, I don't know what they'll do in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, but they were not ready to play with Clemson University that night. I think Clemson's going to make it back to the playoffs, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But the other great game that took place was the University of Florida versus the University of Tennessee. That was a game for the ages. They will talk about that game for years to come. The game goes down to the wire. University of Florida, Felipe Franks drops back, scrams a little bit. Nine seconds to go in the game. They throw up a Hail Mary, and Tyree Cleveland catches the ball in the end zone for the game-winning touchdown in the swamp. You can't get much better than that. You cannot, you, you can't write that. You, you can't, you know, I mean, hey, how, how do they say it? You know, you, you, can't, you can't write that in, in Hollywood. You can't even draw that up. But it was a great game. Now, I will say this. University of Tennessee has one, arguably one of the best running backs in the SEC. He ran the ball 19 times. This kid is a 25 to 30 carry running back in the SEC. If he carries the ball 25 times, Tennessee wins that football game. Now, Kevin, hold your thought. We got to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to talk more about John Kelly and the University of Tennessee and where I think Larry Scott and Bush Jones made the biggest mistake this season as far as college football is concerned. So we're going to take a break and we'll be back in a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Hey, family, we're back. Hey, we were just talking about the University of Florida versus University of Tennessee. Hail Mary play at the end of the game to win the football game. Now, going into this game, I'm sitting there, and Florida was favored by five points, if I'm not mistaken. And towards when the game, close to the game, then Florida was favored seven points. But anyway, I didn't know who to pick. I got friends up there at the University of Tennessee, Coach Brad Rowe, one of the strength conditioning coaches. He runs the GPS system. And you got Kevin Beer who uh, is a long story about Kevin, a funny story. I got to tell you one day, I'm not going to talk about it right now, but Kevin played at the University of Miami. He actually coached with us at the University of Miami when I was coaching there. He's coaching the wide receivers at the University of Tennessee. Eric Joseph is the recruiting director, the director of recruiting for the University of Tennessee, the volunteers. And then Larry Scott, 
personal friend of mine, got up, played at the University of South Florida, coached at the University of South Florida for a long time, came to the University of Miami, was a tight ends coach, run game coordinator. Then when Al Golden was let go, he was named the interim head coach at the University of Miami. He is now the offensive coordinator at the University of Tennessee. Then I have my other friends, Randy Shannon, defensive coordinator extraordinaire, played at the University of Miami. We played together, played with the Dallas Cowboys, came back, started coaching at the University of Miami and coached there for a long time. Ended up being the head coach, the first ever black head coach at the University of Miami. Ended up going to University of Arkansas. Then he went, um, where else did Randy go? Then he came to University of Florida as a position coach. And now he is the defensive coordinator. Then you have Kerry Dixon, wide receivers coach. Then you have Jaywan Sider, who's a distant cousin of mine, the running backs coach. So I'm, I was torn. I was torn. Family, I, I got to be honest with you. I was torn. I didn't know where to go. Florida has nine kids that have been suspended. The University of Tennessee has a new offensive coordinator, new quarterback. Where do you go? I couldn't choose. But as I'm watching the game, I'm watching to see how it unfolds. Too many mistakes. The game should, should the game it, it really shouldn't have been close. To be perfectly honest with you, I think John Kelly is one of the best running backs in the SEC. I've already said it, and I'm going to continue to say it until someone proves me wrong. John Kelly should have run the ball 25 to 30 times in that game. Larry, I don't know what was going on. I don't know what what the thought process was, but the one thing that I look at with when you're looking when you're talking about the University of Tennessee. You're talking about one of the elite programs across the country, SEC football. You're talking about one of the closest things that you're going to get to playing in the National Football League. And when you're playing in the National Football League, what is their model? If you can run the football, you can win championships. So for, for, for Clemson to come out, with the spread offense and do all that fancy stuff and they had a few <laughs> trick plays and all that other stuff. Like, just give the ball to John Kelly and let him do what he does. Give it to him. Have him tap out. You were part of what we did at the University of Miami. You were the run game coordinator. Duke Johnson ran for 1,600 yards. Broke the career rushing record. Broke the, the single season rushing record at the University of Miami. You know what running the football is like. Run the ball. Now, to give credit what, what credit to who deserves the credit, Randy Shannon, you did an amazing job. I tell you what, Randy, and for all the young, young kids out there that are playing high school football and that are aspiring to play college football, when you do the pursuit drill, there's a reason that you do that pursuit drill. And that pursuit drill showed up time and time and time again in that game. Not only did it show up for Florida, but it actually showed up for Tennessee because there was one play where the defender from Tennessee chased the, the receiver down all the way to the goal line, knocked the ball out, and ended up being, instead of a touchdown, it ended up being a touchback, Tennessee got the ball back. If the kid is not pursuing the football the way that he does, it's touchdown, game's over, Tennessee probably didn't have a chance to come back and win the game. Now, on the flip side, John Kelly, one of the best running backs in the SEC, scores a touchdown. He's all excited. He, he, he gets overly excited, and he causes the team a selfish penalty. They tack the penalty on to the kickoff, Florida gets great field position after the kickoff return. Florida scores. Goes up. It's these types of mistakes that you can't make in a ball game like that. And then even further, Tennessee gets the ball down inside the 10-yard line, and they throw the ball three times instead of giving the ball to one of the best running backs in college football in the SEC, arguably one of the best running backs 
in college football, but definitely one of the best in the SEC. Give the ball. We just saw it. We saw Marshawn Lynch. We, we, we watched Marshawn Lynch walk away from football because he felt he didn't, he should have gotten the football to win a Super Bowl. We see it too many times. Don't, don't overthink this thing. Everybody looks at Clemson. Everybody looks at Alabama. Two of the best programs in college football right now. What does Alabama do? They run the ball. One of the most boring games you'll ever see. But Alabama's going to run the football. Clemson is going to run the football. There's a misconception about what Clemson does because they run a spread offense. Clemson ran the ball 49 times against Louisville. But if you watch the game, you think, Clemson is throwing the football. Now, they threw it 33 times, but they ran it 49 times. But those are championship programs, Kelvin. Those are programs that are going to win and continue to win. You've got to be able to run the football. Florida, hey, you saw what Florida did when the game was under control. Florida started pounding the football. And ultimately, they ended up winning the game. But I tell you what, Randy, you're doing a hell of a job on, you know, defensively. Your kids are playing. I remember watching you when you were coaching, and I took a lot of a lot of the stuff that you did and, and your your coaching style. I that I took a lot of that after from you, and I try to implement what you did at the University of Miami and what you've been doing all these years. And I wanted that. That's 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 how I coach my kids. Randy's out on the field, Kelvin. He's running guys to the ball. I saw Ja'Kai Polite. Ja'Kai is 280 pounds. Ja'Kai made a, a play 30 yards down the field. You remember that pursuit drill we used to do, Kelvin? Yeah. Yeah, but, that, hey, but that's what it was all about. That's what that game came down well, to. Well, you know where that came from, Randy's coaching style. Of course. Watched it. Uh, let's take it a step further. Jimmy. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Jimmy and Wanstead, Jimmy. When I talk about Wanstead, Bush Davis, Jimmy, to me, they're all the same. All in one. Because that's the truth. I'm going to say this. I I think Butch had Jimmy's personality and Dave was the coordinator. But let's not make no mistake. That was Jimmy's defense. Oh, without a doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Because when Wanstead left to go to Chicago, it still carried on. But... Randy is just doing, he's basically taking the formula we had at UM and he's brought it up to Florida. The only difference now is, is, this, is and, and this was, this was what my question was with Randy. You know, because offenses are so complicated now that. Are they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy now. I mean, it, it's complicated in the sense of all the RPOs. All the misdirection stuff, but you still run it. The but, plays are still but, the same, Kel. But it's you're still not, running power. It's not that complicated. It's, it's not, not that, that complicated. There's a lot of window dressing now. Let, let's 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 give. I mean, we hey, we got to call it what it is now. Well, There's I, a lot of window now, dressing, early. a lot of jet sweep stuff. You you a defensive? You you are safety, you know, and then you know a little bit of linebacker in the Canadian League. But let's look at this. You're the safety, and. This is what I don't understand. If a team is in shotgun, four wides, and the running back is to the right side of the quarterback, you, as the defensive end, already know where the ball is going. Because usually what happens, if it's RPO, the quarterback is going to fake, he's going to read the, 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 the near side end, and he's either going to give the ball to the running back, who's going to go the opposite direction, so if you're the, the right defensive end and you look up and see that there's no back on your side, you know one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to get a jet sweep to your side or the quarterback, or excuse me, the running back is coming to your side. So it's, it's basically they've taken the option, the wishbone, the old wishbone, and they've readjusted the assignment. But each week I see defensive coordinators and kids blowing this, and I don't understand it. And maybe you, you as a defensive coach can explain that to me. Uh, it's a, it's it's a, a little bit more complicated now. than that. Now it's, it's not as cut and dry as you, you make it out to be right there. But in a nutshell, it, you can you can say that. But it's not just about 
the zone read, it's the RPOs. It's, it's assignment football, don't get me wrong. But it's not like when we were playing, Kelvin, where you lined up and you saw 21 personnel, you might see a little bit of 10, 11, but you didn't see all this different, you know, no huddle stuff, the, you know, the calls at the line of scrimmage. Make, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit more complicated now. You cannot just sit in Kane's G cover two, what we did when we won championships and win championships. You can't. And, and play technique. Randy Shannon at that time was a true technician. There's two different types of coordinators, two different types of defensive coordinators. There's a technician, which is a Randy Shannon. Okay. Not a whole yeah. bunch of different schemes. I'm going to line up in base defense and I'm going to teach my kids what you're trying to do to, to, to defend them. And we're going to be technically sound across the board. But false up at Virginia Tech, he's the exact same way. Not a whole lot of defense. He's not going to yeah. call a whole lot. He's probably got four or five defenses all night long. But his kids know exactly where you're trying to attack them at. That's random. Now, you get these other coordinators who have a bunch of schemes, who in their minds, they think that they're going to call the, exact, the, the right defense for that particular offense to stop that play. Now, Dave Miranda from LSU. Yeah, the coach Donofrio was, 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 was that guy. But and again, the game has changed so much to where you got to be able to be that guy. There's a happy medium. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not as as basic as what Randy used to be. But it's not to the extent of what some of these guys are now with a million different defenses. Well, let's, let's take the happy medium. And you know who that happy medium guy is? He's Brent Venables. But to your point about, you know, the, some, the, 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 the complexity of it, Brent Venables is basically running canes with a few more blitz packages in there. Basically, well, that's, what Ra- that's what Randy's doing right now. The, the other night, yeah. I've never seen Randy well, blitz as many. And we call them dogs. It's not even a blitz. It's a, it's a one-man dog. They're bringing five. Randy yeah. brought five majority of the night from what I saw. Well, you know. Mike Brown told me something about four or five years ago uh, when Randy was still the coach. I asked him, I said, uh, so what's the difference between this Canes and the Canes out running? He said, well, Randy brought back more complexities in the coverages and right. more blitzes. Right. I mean, he's running the Canes, the basic Canes front, the one, the three, the five, the seven. Yeah. And the Mike... You know, with, with the you know, you still got the you know the Sam linebacker has three strong. Your, you know, excuse me, two strong, and Mike has three strong. But they put more blitzes into it, and then he's even added you know in certain situations three man fronts where he can cover right. some exotic blitzes. Right. Hey, what? Well, hold up, hold up, hold up. Okay. Again, we we got to take a break. We'll come back. We're going to finish talking about the University of Florida and the University of Tennessee. But we got to talk about the Raiders and Marshawn Lynch. We got to hit the Raiders. I got to talk about my boy. Anyway, we're going to take a break, family. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Okay, family. So here, here's the deal. We were just talking about Randy Shannon and his success as a coordinator and what he's doing right now. And the University of Florida... Tennessee, great game. Tyree Cleveland, Felipe Franks, hey, that is the get-down play of the week. Now, <clears throat> yes, sir, the get-down play of the week, the Hail Mary from Felipe Franks to Tyree Cleveland. Okay, but now I'm going through my Facebook the other day, actually this morning, Kelvin, and I see a picture of Randy okay. Shannon, our boy, in a statement that he yeah. made. And I'm puzzled by this. Now, I need some help with this because I don't know how to read this. I'm going to read it to you, family. And if you can, somebody please shed some light on this statement. Please help me understand what this guy's trying to say. This is my boy. I should know him. I don't know what he's trying to say right here. Okay, here's a statement, and I quote, If we can always have guys coming in that say I'm better than the next guy who's at the starting position, We'll have a better football team. We will continue to do that. We want the best in the country that are winners and won't accept to be second. Kelvin, come on now. Come on, Kelvin. I mean, Talk to me, Kelvin. Think about what he's He's basically saying what we believe at UM. I mean, no, on, we didn't say we didn't believe it. Kelvin, Kelvin. Let me read this again, Kevin. I don't, I don't want nobody to misunderstand what I'm reading here, right? If we can always have guys okay. coming in that say I'm better than the next guy who's at the starting position. I never said that I was going to be better than, that I was better at that time than Benny Blades or Selwyn Brown or Daryl Fullington. I'm going to be honest with you, Hurley. I told this story last week on the podcast that me and Ron McNeil do. I remember me and Hamlet came in. Me and Anthony Hamlet was my, my roommate in uh, Freshman Institute, and we went through the little off-season workouts, and I remember one night we was back in the room, and we said, man, if we can't play this year with the dude in front of us that's got them girl hips, no muscles, and he about 220, we don't need to be here. We were talking about Randy Shannon because we were looking at him like, he ain't better than us. And, I mean, we all kind of had that attitude. I mean, okay. You you had Benny Blades in front of you, yeah. That that's a tough one. But hey, man, you I don't got know you I got Benny Blades, Bubba McDowell, Donnie Ellis, Selvin Brown, Bobby Hart, Kenny Barrett. Come on now. So this is my problem with that statement, Kelvin. And I know what you're saying, but but this is what happens, okay? Yeah. Especially after recruiting, I've been I recruited for 16 years. I understand this. I understand what he wants to say. I don't think that he said it the way that it should be said. And I'm hoping they don't believe this. How can I, as well, a recruit, sit in a kid? Okay, I'm listening. Go ahead. Here's the other part of that that I think I'm not, I mean, I from how I'm translating it, from being around millennials more than I thought I would be, is that there are guys who have the talent who just coasted, who just Cadillacing it. And what he's saying is, I want a bunch of Mike Irvins on my team. I want a bunch of guys that's going to show up. If practice is at 8 o'clock, he's been there since 6.30 running 16 110s because even though Hurley Brown is in front of him and he's an All-American, Hurley Brown ain't taller than me, he ain't bigger than me, he ain't faster than me. So if I just do what I'm supposed to do, I can beat out Hurley Brown. Now, if, now I'm not saying that the coach is going to play me over Hurley Brown because there's a politics involved. But when we when we sitting around the campfire, we know who better. 
Okay, I mean, all right, so I, I got to like, cut you off because we ain't got that much longer. So, but but you, I got to understand this now. I'm a eight, let's just say I'm 18. I just turned 19. I'm a 19 year old kid and I'm coming into your program. You got kids that are 21, 22 years old. All right, and don't get me wrong. I hope that I do have enough confidence in myself to say I'm going to be just as good, if not better one day than that kid. But if I'm 18, 19 years old and I come into your program and I can beat that kid out that has been in your program for two and three years, what does that say about your program? That don't say a whole hell of a lot about your program. So uh, it's 50-50 with me with that state. Now we, we can't stay on this all. It's, that might be a whole nother show. We can't we can't take much much more time with this. So we're gonna let it go as that. You see it one way, I see okay, it the I'll, other way. I just don't know if that's really what he's trying to say. I hope he's trying to say what you're saying he's saying. I hope I'm reading it wrong. All right. Now we're talking about competitors yeah. now. Now let's talk about my main man. And if I hey, I'm not a big I don't I don't like to talk about I like to meet men. I don't. I could kill this. Now I've been around some of the greatest, some of the, the most famous, infamous guys in in the world. You know, Mike Tyson. Um, you name it. You know, Michael Irvin is a personal friend of mine. Ray Lewis is my dog. You know what I mean? So I've been around some of the greatest entertainers. I met Michael Jackson before. I mean, come on, man. I've, I've been. I've done that. But boy, let me tell you, there's one person I want to meet, and that's Marshawn Lynch. I love the way this guy plays the game. I love not only just not only the way that he plays the game, but the commitment that he has to Oak, to the city of Oakland, to those young kids, to the Oakland Raiders, and to see him dance. Did you see him dance the other day, Kelvin? Oh man, I loved it. Hey, now you, now you can tell he he's not a dancer. Now he ain't nobody that's going to the club and just getting out there and dancing and doing his thing. And everybody, ooh, he can dance. He can't dance, but it was almost like he caught well, the actually, Holy Ghost. Kelvin. That dance he was doing, that dance he was doing, Hurley was a regional dance. He was ooh, doing. Man, and I tell you what, and, and we're gonna talk about it again on the next show. But Marshawn Lynch, you are my get down player of the week. You only had forty five yards, but I take those forty five yards from you. In that stadium, in that city, on that stage, any day, any day. I love the way you play the game, my brother. I love the fact that you came back to Oakland because you want to give those young kids something to look forward to. I love the story that you have. Man, I can't wait to meet you. I'm going to get Jethro Franklin and the kid Norton Jr. to, to get you on the phone. And, and I tell you what, Jack Del Rio's statement at the end when he said he was going to go over there and dance with him, Man, that was even better. I love it. Raider Nation, baby. Here we go. Hey, but that's our show for today. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, same time, same channel, same place, live. Me and my co-host, Kelvin Harris, don't go nowhere. We got Ray Ellis coming up next on Voice America Radio, and he's got a great show for you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Family, we'll see you next week. That's our show, The Get Down with Hurley Brown. for tuning into the Get Down with Hurley Brown. The coach wants you to join us again next week, Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll have another great show ready to roll next week.